0: Ray church and happy palm sunday to everyone i'm meredith and i'm Kira. we're here to welcome you and give you some information to start off our gathering today hello to everyone joining us whether you're from the rochester area new york other states or even around the world welcome to you and welcome if you're joining us live on sunday morning or if you find yourself watching or listening later on in the week we also want to say
1: hello to any watch parties gathering out there And a very special welcome to any guest joining us for the very first time. We can't say enough how thankful we are that you're joining us today. Over the next couple of minutes, we'll share some information, much of which we talk through every single week, and that's primarily for our guests. We understand visiting us online isn't the same as visiting in person and having personal interaction with us, but we're excited you're choosing to spend time with us and hope you feel at home today. You can learn more about us on our website, but for now, we'll touch on some things related to your first gathering at Centerway. And even if you've gathered here many times before, we hope this helps you too. Mm -hmm. If you're gathering
0: live on Sunday, there are some helpful tabs right on the iLine platform. You can share your information with us. I promise we will not stalk you (laughs) or share your information with anyone else. It will just help us to follow up with you and to get feedback. Also on the live platform, you can explore next steps. You can find previous messages. And if you call Centerway home and would like an easy, convenient way to give, there's a tab right there to do that. Also, if you have any questions or you would like prayer during the gathering, just request prayer and one of our hosts will answer you privately in a separate chat. Now, if you're not on the live platform and instead you're watching or listening later on in the week, many of the things that I just mentioned can happen through our website. If you'd like to connect with us after this gathering, uh, if you have questions, feedback, ideas for us, or you need prayer later in the week, please email us
1: at connect at centerwaychurch.com. Absolutely. Besides reaching out via email, there are other ways for you to engage after this gathering. You can check out our social media and make use of the resources on our website. If you visit the messages page, you'll find all of our messages, including a message just for kids. They can sing and learn from the same scripture text we do so you'll be able to discuss the application together also on that page are resources related to the messages like images to add to your device links to the spotify playlist for this series and access to the monday wednesday and friday devotionals if you prefer to receive the devotionals directly in your inbox instead of going to the website you can subscribe on the next steps page and since we're mentioning the Next Steps page, there are other resources for you to access there as
0: well. Yeah, lots of great stuff there. <laughs> well, we're just about to finish up here, but we have to again mention a couple of gatherings coming up. The first one is this afternoon at 4 p.m. It's our vision meeting. It's very much geared toward our center way but anyone is welcome to come who wants to be there. The second one is Easter Sunday. We are very excited to hopefully see many of you in person that day. Uh, We will still have our typical online gathering on Easter as well. And both the online and in person will be at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on April 4th. So 4-4 at 4 p.m. You can remember that. And we just want to say, among the egg hunts and the good food, remember that this is not just any other holiday. It is a celebration of a moment in history that literally changed everything for us and made a way for us to be in relationship with God. And at CenterWay, if you've been here any length of time, you know that we focus every Sunday on what Jesus has done for us. But we also feel it's important to highlight and celebrate and have meaningful and intentional moments um, to celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so with that in mind, we encourage you to prioritize this and gather in person or maybe online with a watch party and invite friends and family who are in need of the hope that we celebrate that day. All the details for the vision meeting and Easter
1: are on the calendar page of our website. Yeah, so looking forward to that. Now, here's what to expect for the rest of the gathering today. Emma, one of our Centerway students, will be reading the scripture text for us. Claude will be communicating from the Bible. And then Meredith and I will come back to close out the gathering with some ways to respond in worship. Right after that, you can join us live on Instagram or Facebook as a way to respond through song. Here's Emma with the text for today.
0: John sent him...
2: Hello and welcome. My name is Claude, and my wife Meredith and I are the lead pastors here at Centerway Church. Mm -hmm. Excited you have the opportunity to be with us as we continue in our series, Greater Expectations. Uh, This morning's title is specifically uh, Purpose, so Greater Purpose Expectations. And of course, as you've already heard, this is a special morning. It's Palm Sunday, and we're so excited that you have the opportunity uh, to be with us. And uh, I can't think of a more fitting day to uh, talk about God's way being better than our way and his purpose being greater than what even our own purposes are. Um, There's a a lot of things that come to mind when I think about our way uh, versus a better way. And uh, there's a lot of times in my life that I've had the opportunity for my father to, to help me, giving me advice, whether it's changing brakes on a vehicle or teaching me how to do some type of construction, uh, a roof or endless things, electricity, plumbing, you name it. Um, I've, I've really had a great gift in my father's proximity to me and his willingness to kind of teach me along the way. Uh, As I get older and have kids of my own, I realize how much patience he has displayed towards me, uh, especially uh, because I was a rather strong-willed young wee little lad. I know, it's shocking, news to my wife and everything, Uh, but I had a pretty specific thought about how things should be done. And I can just Man, I can remember so many times I was wanting my way to do something when I had like no experience and he's trying to say, well, you can do it that way, but it's wrong. And um, unfortunately, I don't think we grow out of that. I think it's something that we as humans continue to wrestle with. Um, There was one time in particular, and I've shared part of this story in the past. If you've been with us uh, at Centerway since the beginning, um, there was uh, some plumbing that needed to be done at my house, and uh, it was the, the house that w- we lived in in uh, Baldwinsville before we sold that home and, and moved out here to the Rochester area. And there was a uh, uh, an old pipe, and the old pipe had gotten drained. It was, a, it was a drain to a sink, and it had gotten clogged. And the more I tried to clean it, the more clogged it became. And uh, my dad said, Hey, listen, that's original plumbing. The house was a little over 50 years old. He said, you probably should just cut it out and replace it with some PVC or you know a better drain and so I talked to him a little bit about what he thought I should do and I was looking at it and considering different options and so I kind of came up with a plan that I had and um, now of course much older and much more mature I I said so dad how would you tackle this he said well you got to remember that's clogged like probably solid and there's a bunch of water with pressure on it. And he said, the main thing is when you cut through this with your sawzall, um, there's going to be a moment where you're going to want to stop and you just need to, to keep going. Just keep cutting right through this pipe all the way through. Uh, water's going to come out and everything. If you stop, it's going to just make a huge mess. And I was like, all right, got it, got it. And so Luckily, where this was being cut out was where we had an old um, shower that we'd ended up pulling out. But I'm standing in that shower. So I think even if this leaks some water, it's no big deal. And uh, the sawzall's up over my head because this pipe, is this drain is over my head. And so it's elevated up. And so I start cutting through this. And uh, as I start cutting through, uh, sure enough, I break through the end of the pipe. And as I start to break through it, water starts to come out and it starts to run down on me. And so in my mind, I think, well this is the moment that my dad was talking about like this is you know where the water came out that wasn't that bad and so i'm going to slow down a little bit because now i'm getting wet and so i slow down even though my dad said do not slow down continue to go in fact go as fast as you can to just cut through this thing trust me and uh, i slowed down uh, because i thought i knew better and i was getting wet and so as i slowed down this thing starts to shake And as it starts to shake and I cut through this thing, it just starts spraying the most rancid and disgusting liquid all over my face, in my mouth, literally all over. I'm telling you, unless you deal with sewage and stuff like drains and everything, you have not processed in your mind what that smells like. Now, it was a sink drain, but all the stuff that goes down a sink, I'm not going to be too descriptive because there's probably some of you that are fighting back vomit, although I'm encouraged by the people in this room seeming disgusted. It seems like it's like just putting a log on the fire of like, tell me more details. In either case, it was disgusting and the scent was disgusting. And so my dad is behind me and he said, why are you slowing down? And I'm like, because I'm getting wet. He's like, well, I told you not to slow down and so I was like well what do I do now so I'm looking at him and I'm only partway through the pipe and he goes now you just take it like a man because you didn't listen to me I'm like what do you mean and he goes there's nothing you can do it's gonna spray everywhere because you didn't just cut it through you didn't listen to me I was like well what do you like I just have to just deal with this he's like yeah so you know it's your way you're right go for it. And so there it was. I had to just take my medicine and I cut through this pipe and it just continued to spray everywhere. It was absolutely disgusting. The question I want to ask as we move into the text this morning is this, why do we often think that our way is the best way? Why do we often think that our way is the best way? Now you might be somebody that that you don't consider yourself a strong-willed person. And so you might say, no, my way doesn't have to be the best way. Th- the truth is in human nature, whether or not you impose that on others, you have an idea. Every single one of us has a preference. We have an expectation and a preference. We have our way. Now, whether or not we impose it, like I said, or even articulate it is another thing. And that has to do with personalities and wiring and different day, different topic. I'm talking about a thought. Why do we think our way is often the best way? I think there's some obvious answers to this question, and that's the, the simple reality that, in most cases, we've thought about our way. Like, we've processed it. We can trust that we've processed it. When somebody else kind of flippantly offers their advice or their way, we're not so sure they've gone through the tedious process that we have in considering all of the options. So we, we've thought about our way. We've processed our way. Like we've thought through all the implications. And so we've spent some time with it. And so we kind of trust it deeper. And maybe we've even had success in the past with our way. And so now, of course, I mean, obviously, if we've had success, then that only confirms that our way is, in fact, the best way. Those are those are kind of some of the the obvious, some of the more obvious answers to this question as to why it is that maybe we might think or even imply or communicate that our way is a better way or the best way. But I want to challenge you to think a little deeper than that, a little deeper than the obvious, because sometimes our way has failed us in the past. Like Sometimes we have a track record of our way not working, and yet still it doesn't always stop us from believing that our way might, might maybe, in fact, this time be the best way. I mean, I've been wrong in the past, but right now, huh, I'm right. I mean, my way is the best way. I mean, after all, this way will probably be different. I mean, I guarantee it, in fact. Let's go ahead and go with my way. Why is that? Why do we do that? If we're honest, as humans... We all do it, we all do it. I wanna submit to you the why. I think that we often think our way is the best way because we have the most to lose if we're wrong. Think about that for a second. I think that oftentimes we come to the conclusion that we want to do something our way because if we're wrong, we'll reap the consequences of that. We're going to, to lose the most if we're wrong. And so, you know what? When the rubber hits the road, I'd rather trust myself right now than trust in someone else or, or some other situation that maybe isn't as tried or tested or thought through. It's simple and yet profound. Basically, we think I'm going to reap the consequences of this decision, whatever it might be. And so then I want to do it my way. Or at the very least, I think my way is the best way. Listen, confidence in my way is a declaration of trust in self. We talked a lot about this and as this message is kind of on the heels of the other texts, we're of course building on this idea of this self-reliance, This idea that confidence in my way is a declaration of trust in self. Even if we don't articulate it within our hearts and minds, we say, you know what? I think I'm right here. Especially if we go with someone else's way and they're wrong. Mm. Then that just builds that up. Like, see, I knew it. I was right. My way is best. So it's either a declaration in trust in self and or it's a declaration of mistrust in others. Either way, it's about us. It's about us. It's about possible consequence or just plain personal preference. This is the way I want it. You see, we have a tendency as humans to make everything about us, about what we want. So it shouldn't shock us in the very least to see the disciples make everything about them. And we've seen this a little bit, and it's kind of culminating into a a conversation here as we go into verse 38. John said to him, meaning Jesus, he's speaking to Jesus, he says, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. Because he was not following us. So, the disciples see someone that is casting out demons in Jesus' name and they tell him, you need to stop because you're not one of us. You're not following us. You don't have a right to function under the authority of Jesus because you're not following us. Now, there's some two, there's two veins of thought that I think are worth noting here that we must be aware of that's happening a little subtly, and yet it's very much connected to the way we process, I believe. The first thing is this. Things have to happen my way or they aren't correct or valid. That's what's happening here. The disciples have an idea, an expectation of who can cast out demons, who can function under the authority of Jesus, who can and who can't. And so therefore, if someone is is doing something outside of the way I think it should happen, then they're not correct or valid. The second vein of thought worth noticing is when others don't do things according to my expectation, I expect God to side with me. That one has a little bit more um, implications, if you will. But it's what's happening here in the text, right? I mean, John is actually excited to say this. He doesn't, he doesn't pull any punches. Like, he's not apologetic. He, I, I guess I can't say that he's excited about it, but he's saying, hey, teacher, listen to what we did. In other words, we did a good thing. Look at what we did. And so there's this thought, this expectation that when we have an idea of how things should happen, that God is actually on our side in that situation. These views, these veins of thought, they're spiritual immaturity on display. They're spiritual immaturity on display. I'll go through them again. Things have to happen my way or they aren't correct or valid. That's the first one. The second one is when others do things according to my expectations, I expect God to side with me. Sorry, when others don't do things according to my expectations, I expect God to side with me. I'm in the right. They're wrong. These views, their spiritual immaturity on display. Now, don't miss the irony here. Uh, The irony, they just, the disciples have just tried to cast a demon out of a boy in their own power without praying. So they've just tried to cast out a demon and were unable then they engage in an argument about which one of them is greater on the heels of, of that interaction, and Jesus corrects them both times, and their response to correction concerning their self-reliance is to point out the failings of others, their perceived failings of others. But look at what they look at what they're doing don't worry, I told them to stop. I told them they're not following us. I remember growing up. Um, I think I wasn't super aware of it. I was pretty young, but, um, I have a younger sister. I have an older sister and a younger sister, my younger sister, because she was, uh, you know, about two years younger than I am, um, because she was just kind of cute and never really got in a lot of trouble. I'm talking when we were really young, uh, I would blame things on her. I was somewhere around four or five years old and she was somewhere around two or three. And, uh, anything that went wrong, I would always say, Jenny did it. Like my parents have hilarious stories about times that they have cornered me where they would watch me do something. And I was like, "Mm, the baby did it. The baby did it. And, uh, and the thing that is interesting about that is again, it's something that we don't often grow out of. This idea of deflecting and redirecting uh, attention that when we're in the wrong, we quickly go to, well, look at that, they did something worse. I was driving through um, Baldwinsville when I was, had just gotten my driver's license and uh, uh, there was a kid that was pulled over on the side of the road. And there's an exchange between him and this police officer, and I'm pulling out of a local diner. And as I'm pulling out of the diner, the kid looks in, he goes, look, that dude, he didn't even have his, he doesn't have a seatbelt on. That kid doesn't even have a seatbelt on. As I'm pulling out, and I did have my seatbelt on, it was an old Buick Regal and it had like this little latch right here where the, after you put the seatbelt on, you'd put it underneath that. So it would lay flat. And so I heard him say it as I was pulling out and the police officer said something to another police officer and they got in their car and followed me and ended up pulling me over and I didn't get a ticket or anything. But it stuck with me, this idea that when somebody is in trouble and they're just grasping for straws, they quickly start pointing out the failings of others. It doesn't, it doesn't end. We do it all the time in different ways. In fact. If you're a civilized adult and you've grown up past pointing the fingers at others, instead, you get to a place where you start to justify your own failings and your own depravity by pointing out the depravity of others. Well, at least I'm not as bad as them. I mean, I'm not the I'm not the greatest dad in the world, but holy cow, that guy I'm not not the best provider, but at least I'm not, you know, all these ways that we continually point to either build ourselves up or to try to ignore or mitigate our own depravity. We don't want to process really our own sin issue. John expects a pat on the back here. He's in the midst of being corrected by Jesus, and he points out how he kind of worked on behalf of Jesus and corrected someone that was not following us. And Jesus responds with verse 39 says, But Jesus said, Do not stop him. For no one who does a mighty work in my name will be soon afterward to speak evil of me. So here it is. Don't stop him. In fact, You stop, I'm correcting you. So you think that you're trying to to do something right, do something on my behalf, but I wanna tell you, you're wrong. You're wrong. Jesus is making a powerful statement about the unity of Christendom. And he's making it clear that the kingdom of God is not about ministry and church our way. It's not about our purposes and our preference. It's a it's it's about proclaiming the gospel and making disciples. He's for me. He's proclaiming me. So so don't stop him. Get this, contrary to what our flesh tells us, it's not actually all about us. As much as we function as if this world is all about us, it's not all about us. And honestly, isn't that actually kind of exciting? Isn't it? Isn't it kind of exciting? Because if life is really all about us, then we have the propensity to really mess it up. And when things are are going bad, then we're really failing at this thing called life. If if this is really all about what we can gain and what we can accomplish and what it is that we can do, then then this is really a fleeting and painful existence. But. If there's greater purpose expectations for our lives, then we can be excited. We can lean in because God is doing something that we cannot see. We're a part of a greater mission, a greater purpose. It's not all about us. It's about something greater. Christian and non-Christ follower alike, to everyone that's watching, let me ask this. Has church and even God Become about what you want and expect. Has church, as a Christ follower or not, and even God, as a Christ follower or not, become more about what you want and expect? What you want church to be, what you expect from church, what you want God to be, what you expect from God. Don't waste your time thinking too long about the question because the answer is yes. The answer is yes. How we deal with this reality reveals our spiritual maturity. We all come to the table with expectations. Expectations of what a church should or should not be, how ministry should or should not function, how God should or should not function in our own lives, in the lives of others, in the world as a whole. I mean, after all, we have some really strong opinions and we think our way is the best way. In fact, sometimes we almost feel a little bad for God. Like, come on, God, like... If you made things happen this way, people would be impressed. Why don't you just do it this way, God? Listen, I consult churches and have the opportunity to to come alongside and coach pastors. And I want to let you know that division in churches are always motivated by preference. They're always motivated by this sense of expectation what it is that we want god to be, church to be, what it used to be, what we expect it to be. And people that I've that I know that have walked away from their faith or have concluded that there is no god have often come to those conclusions as a result of their expectations being unmet. Their expectations of people that proclaim to be Christians, their expectations of how they perceive god and what god's purpose is It's all wrapped up into the same nasty little knot. So as as we struggle with this, it's important that we realize that Jesus addresses unity within Christendom in a very clear and concise way, that it shouldn't be driven about who is or is not following us. And what that means is our way, our preference. The, the lead team, as we started to establish Centerway almost, well, a little over two years ago now, we talked a lot about this idea of just the pull of what it looks like to establish a church that's not focused on preference, that's not personality-driven. And so we thought, what is the most God-honoring way that we can keep Jesus in the center of everything that we do? And it's very simple in the sense that we we try to, to create an environment that is not about personality or preference, but it's about the word of God. In fact, we even have a because and therefore that's focused on innovation and the heartbeat of that innovative thought has something to do with us not falling in love with the methods of the past. So we're going to hold true to the principles, to the timeless principles, but we're not going to fall in love with the methods. The because and therefore goes like this. Because he, meaning Jesus, loves to do new things, we value innovation. Therefore, we hold loosely to the way it's always been. We purpose to release creativity and reveal the beauty of God, joyfully expecting new things to flow out of us as individuals and as a church community to point to Jesus. We want to keep Jesus the center. There's no sacred cows. It's, it's about innovating and doing something new and fresh. Listen, it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about the proclamation of the gospel and making disciples of Jesus. It's stewarding the mission that's been entrusted to us. It's so important to really understand this because there's no neutrality when it comes to the kingdom of God. Let's look at it, verse 40. Jesus, right on the the heels of this interaction, he makes it clear in a very simple and yet concise verse in verse 40. For the one who is not against us is for us. No neutrality. There's no middle ground. Jesus is, is very clear. You are either for kingdom advancement or against it. You're either bringing division, which means you are against the advancement of the kingdom, or you're bringing unity and focus to the mission of what we're all about, and that means that you are for the advancement of the kingdom of God. There's no middle ground. You're for it or you're against it. (laughs) That seems kind of devastating if you're following along with with the thought and the current of the text, like you're realizing, wait a second, how do I do that? How can, how can I be for kingdom advancement when we're often thinking that our way is the best way? If the human condition is my way is the best way, then how do we adjust to that? Is it just like, okay, God, your way is better, I think, but I don't really know how to identify that because I still sort of think that I have a preference here. I have an opinion. We resolve this situation by resolving the tension of consequence. Think about that for a second. The way we alleviate our struggle to try to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just bend to the will of God. Even though I think my way is best, I'm just going to try to shut that flesh part of me down and just lean into what I think God is trying to do. The, the only way, the only way that we can do anything about this is to resolve the tension of consequence. Listen, Jesus took the punishment of our way. I mentioned in the beginning that the, some of the reason why we think our way is the best way is because we will suffer the consequences of our decision. That's the tension that we feel in these moments. Are, are we going to have to stop having fun? Are we going to risk something by by trusting God right now. And so the way that we resolve the tension of consequences to look at the reality that Jesus took the punishment of our way, he already took the consequences. Our way leads to sin and death, but Jesus paid the penalty and then said, come and follow me, come and follow me, because our lives are not our own. We've been bought by a price. We've been bought by the blood of Jesus. And so therefore we can surrender the the preconceived ideas, the struggle, the tension of trying to bring some sense of worth and meaning of our one and only life. And instead realize that we are the Lord's, that we're loved, that we're deeply known, that we can remove the consequence tension of our way and rest in the perfect will of God. Are you following Jesus or are you following yourself? Are you following Jesus or are you following the world? Are you following Jesus or are you following a definition of success that's been determined by society or culture or or who knows what? Are you spending all of your time and energy trying to figure out the best way for you to live this life and as a result, missing out on the greater purpose, the greater thing that God is trying to do in and through your life? Being on mission is how we get our eyes off of ourselves. It's how we reorient our heart and mind. You see, if we're trying to reach other people, then we're really slow to point the finger at other people. We can't blame those that are broken for being broken, especially when God has called us to bring them wholeness. You see, it's so easy to get off mission if this is really about my way if it's about what it is that I think is right, but if it's about Jesus being in the center and the kingdom of God advancing, then we can be on mission every day of our lives. Don't settle for a lesser version of your one and only life. God has a greater plan and a greater purpose, and you can have greater purpose expectations for yourself and for those that you love. You see, it's the truth of the the gospel that will transform our heart and mind it's what reorients our ideas of what is the best way and so we say every week that the text requires something of us and of course this week is no different the question i want you to consider as an application is this how can we over i'm sorry how can we encourage others to do what god has asked of them How can we encourage others to do what God has asked of them? You see, when the gospel has transformed our heart and we are functioning according to his purposes and plans, then we join him on mission, which means we don't become a person that criticizes others, but rather we're a person that encourages others. And so God has strategically placed you in a sphere of influence. How can you encourage others to do what it is that God has asked of them? For some of you out there this morning, I want to encourage you, if you have gotten to a place in your life that you just realize, you know what, I'm trying to live life my best way, and it continually falls short, then I want to encourage you that maybe what God has for you is to surrender your life to him. And so maybe today you can ask Jesus to be the Lord and leader of your life. I want to tell you it's maybe not as complicated as you think, Could be as simple as a prayer that you pray wherever you find yourself right now as you're listening or watching It could simply look or something like this lord i'm a sinner but you died for my sins you paid the penalty for my way so would you forgive me come and be the lord and leader of my life it can be that easy a version of that prayer in fact if you are with us live and you've prayed that prayer just now I want to encourage you to, to click on request prayer so that you can go into a private chat. That's what it'll do. It'll just put you in a private chat with one of our hosts. And we'll just talk about what it is that the next steps could look like for you as so we can kind of partner with you as you continue in this journey towards spiritual maturity. Which, by the way, is a journey we are all on. Maturity is not a destination, it's a process. And so we're all growing. And so as we all learn to follow Jesus, if you are praying that prayer Later on in the week or you're listening to this afterwards, you can go to our website or email and reach out to us. We'd love to walk alongside you. For others of us, maybe it's praying for God's will for yourself and for those that are closest to you. If you, if you know people that are right on the cusp of, of making a God risk and you've been talking to them, encouraging them, they've maybe been transparent in past weeks as we talked about that application Maybe this is the time for you to encourage them, to call it out in them, to call out a level of greatness and say, listen, there's, there's a greater purpose God has for your life. He's whispered it to you. You've entrusted me with it. And now I want to challenge you. Take that step. Do that next thing. Maybe it's a baby step, but what are you doing with that baby step? Have you taken that step? Let me pray with you. How can I walk alongside you in this journey? So maybe it means coming alongside someone that you love, someone that you know, or even allowing the Holy Spirit to stir something within you where you say, okay, enough is enough. I'm going to take action on this and encourage your own spirit to say it's time to respond to God. For others of you that maybe live a life of encouraging others, maybe it looks like being more missional this week and maybe challenging others in the way that I just challenged everyone here. Maybe you have someone that you've had spiritual conversations with and it's time to say, listen, I wanna encourage you to surrender your life to Jesus. And maybe it looks like a spiritual conversation. I just wanna encourage you, whatever it might be, to take this application and to take the next step because it's not about us for and no more. We are on mission to further the kingdom of God because of the truth of the gospel, because we've committed to keep Jesus the center and we wanna live in the implications of that every day of our lives. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you, and we just ask that uh, you would speak with clarity, that you would lead, guide, and direct, that you would reveal your purposes, and that you would um, allow us to be a voice of encouragement and a voice of um, support to those that we love, those that we know, that we would take steps to further your kingdom for your glory and our joy. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Excited to be with you next week as uh, it is Easter. In fact, if you're able and willing, uh, we are actually having an in-person gathering on Easter. And so if you're able, we'd love to see you there. If not, we will still be online as well. And so we hope to see you one of either place next week. Until then.
1: Thanks for gathering with us today. We're always so thankful to hear the word and be challenged by it. And we're excited to get to apply the text as well. Spending time allowing God's word to transform you is worship. We're excited for the Holy Spirit to show you what it looks like for you to encourage others to do what God is asking of them. For sure, and we're confident
0: that throughout this week, there will be many opportunities to worship in that way, and it will be unique to each one of us. Absolutely. But one way that we get to respond and worship together is by singing. If you're gathered live, if you're connecting at another time, you can still worship by singing along with the video posted on Facebook or with the songs on Spotify. Just search Spotify
1: for Centerway Church and look for the Greater Expectations playlist. Yes. For those of you gathered on the online platform, we'll see you live on Facebook or Instagram in just a few minutes.